Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, people? You know that sound is Unfiltered Band means yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way right here, right now. Officially, this will go down as episode number 226. You could jump on board 24-7 on the Unfiltered Revolution. Easy. Get on through iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. You also can hop on board the artist formerly known as Twitter, or X, if you will, at Casey Stern. Get up into the bio, jump on the YouTube channel, get all 225, now 226 episodes, all the interviews, the rants, the conversations, the lists, and then some, including some extra videos made just for you at home worker on the road who are joining the YouTube channel. So we will see you there as well. And thank you as always to the unfiltered band. And there is a ton to get to on this show. We will get into all sorts of different things from, of course, the world of major league baseball. And then beyond that, getting into some other sports as well here on the show. And thank you again on filter band for being on board and to all of you, wherever you are watching or listening to the podcast. And thank you for all of your support. We'll get into the Sonny Gray signing and what it means for the Cardinals and the moves that they have made so far. We'll talk about some of the other moves that have been made, including Aaron Nola going back to the Philadelphia Phillies, what it looks like in terms of the landscape for Yamamoto. We'll talk about Juan Soto and what makes it so difficult for him to be traded. Then, while we think about whether you wave bye-bye to Soto, we'll talk bye-bye Barry and a number of other things in the NFL range, including Frank Wright getting fired just 11 games into the season from the Panthers and being a Giants fan, got to chime in, of course, as a New Yorker, uh, Daniel Jones and Joe Shane's uh, press conference today talking about the fact that at least uh, when he is healthy in 2024, Daniel Jones will be the starter. Is that the right move, the wrong move? We'll also get into a couple of things in the NHL and the NBA as well, including the in-season tournament. Do any of you understand it? Do any of you care about it? We'll get into all of that. Your thoughts on that and everything else. Of course, through the comments, you could jump in, whether you're watching on Twitter or X or on uh, YouTube, or if you're sitting there and listening to the podcast, definitely hit me up and let me know your thoughts and any questions you might have. We are here courtesy of our good friends of Bet Online, as Unfiltered is always presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get all your wagers. Live betting, favorite casino, and card games, they're all available to play right now right from your phone. So head over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is Ben Online where the game starts, and we get started here with the big news of the day as I do this today on a Monday. What is it? Uh, is it the 27th already? The 27th of November, and happy belated Thanksgiving, by the way. That reminds me to everybody as well. Cardinals locking up Sonny Gray, three-year deal, option for a fourth. Sonny Gray second in the Cy Young voting behind Garrett Cole last year in the American League. A guy who has posted over his career in ERA of under three and a half, 279 last year. We know about all the things and the accomplishments and what he's done. And this is a hell of a signing for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, there are sometimes things that work in a parallel line that are good and then maybe not as good. Follow. The Cardinals' rotation, as you look at it, when you think about Gray, we'll talk about the additions of Lynn and Kyle Gibson, and you think about Michaelis and Steven Matz, if he's back there, rumors perhaps he could be on the trading block if he is still there, the Long Island native. 
uh, if he is in the rotation as well. It, it's not a bad rotation. It could be a good rotation. It's not a great rotation. You got Lance Lynn giving up, uh, and I love Lance Lynn, but you know, in this version of Lance Lynn, giving up bombs left and right. And you've got Kyle Gibson, who we know, look, and I love Kyle Gibson as well. Talked to him plenty of times over the years. Great dude, has had success, obviously, in kind of putting himself back in a position to go make some money. These are guys who are all going to give you innings, but I'm not sure how many dominant performances you're expecting necessarily from Lance Lynn at this point in his career or from Kyle Gibson. Could see a lot of base runners in one case, a lot of home runs in another. But if you get the most and what you know is capable for a Miles Michaelis and you get the best version of Kyle Gibson, you get somewhere in the middle of Lance Lynn of old and Lance Lynn of recent, hopefully not the Dodger version, and you get mats in the back end and you rework the bullpen a little bit and that staff as a whole led by a Sonny Gray is going to have a chance to be pretty good. Going to have a chance to be pretty good. Is it going to be great? No. But I think they did a great job here on this Sonny Gray signing. First of all, when you are looking at free agency now, and people need to understand this, and you're dealing in this sport, you know, to use the hockey term, they use it term. Here we're talking about, you know, length of contract, maybe the way that you put it. But we are talking about the price of admission being extra years. I mentioned Garrett Cole, who Sunday Gray finished second to in AL Cy Young. Well, when Garrett Cole got a nine-year deal, nobody wanted to give him more than seven, maybe even six. The Yankees didn't want to give him nine years. That's how they, But the Angels and others out to pasture, and I remember being there at that winter meetings at the time in San Diego, remember it vividly, because they were willing to get that extra price of admission. They were willing to pay those years to shut down the bidding. Very rarely can you bump AAV, not have to give additional years, and get a deal done. But obviously, that looks like what had happened here with Sonny Gray and the Cardinals. Nice at 25 a pop, three years, like he's 34 years old. You might say, well, clearly I don't want to, why would I ever give a guy who's 34 more than three years with an option for a fourth? I'd never want to do that. However, how many times have we seen that done because of that price of admission where guys and teams are locking up because they're shutting down that market by going and giving an extra year or two that other teams didn't want to give? It happens all the freaking time. So to only have to give three years here and with an option for a Sonny Gray at 34 years old, coming up a great season, who's a leader at the front of the staff, brings everything, and you saw it today, everything that you want in that uniform trying to turn things around. Look, John Mosellock said, we got to go out and get three arms. He said, we got to go get three starting pitchers. That's not easy to do. You, know, you got a lot of pitchers in the market, and I get that, but that's not easy to do. And one of the things that they, look, John Mosellock has, in his time as GM and as president, has made a lot of mistakes, all right? You can look at a lot of losses of players, and don't just give me a Dolce Garcia and a lot of different moves that haven't made sense and all sorts of things that haven't made sense in the way that it's been handled and managerial changes and whatever you want to put on there, but a lot of that, but give Mo a lot of credit here because what, what he did is not easy. And that is not waiting. He knew, look, Yamamoto who we'll get to, I'm probably not landing him. I'm not in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. I got no shot there. I'm not going to get a Blake Snell. 
So am I going to have assets in the point I'm at in my situation with my franchise to go trade for a Dylan Cease? Most likely not doing that either. So I only got a certain amount of options I can can really go after. And I got different tiers. And I, I added a ton of innings in Gibson and Lynn and got those done early. I know what Lance gives me in that room. I know what Lance is going to bring now with Lynn retiring. I know what, he, I mean, the disciple of that, certainly already been there, done that, knows the Cardinal way, if you will. And they lost their way a bit, but we get it. And now... You bring in a Sonny Gray at the front of that, and you got a story to tell. They got a lot of work to do, but this is not a division where you have to be a dominant team to go win the National League Central at any point. It's a hell of a job by the Cardinals when you look at really what their options were. They weren't, this isn't the card, this isn't, you know, four or five years ago. This is coming up the year they just had. This is in the situation that this roster and this rotation were in. They can't play with the big boys now. They're behind the eight ball in those conversations. And to get one of those big boys, which they did, in Sunny Gray, lock it down early before that hot stove really heats up. You get into winter meetings, get into December, and everybody's sitting there and playing hardball. What happens if the Cardinals are without chairs when they know they can't land any of those top three or four guys that maybe you're looking at on this board. And to get one of those, we arguably you certainly could put Sonny Gray in that mix. And then to add two other guys who you know what you're going to get and at least probably going to give you a lot of innings and they need some of that to help take a lot of pressure up that bullpen that was under the gun, yeah, I mean, in the gauntlet a year ago. Hell of a job by John Mosellock. I think the Cardinals did a great job here. I really do. Now, again, going back to it, do I think they have a great rotation? I don't think they have a great rotation. Do I think they did a really good job here? They did a really good job. It's a good job on Sonny Gray. Uh, we'll see Gibson, obviously, and I like Kyle a lot. Lance Lynn, what version do you get? Rotation is better. They added arms. They got somebody at the front end. Good job, Cardinals. I want to go back a little bit because I haven't touched on it here in the podcast and go back to and tell you why I like the Aaron Nola deal. Yeah, anytime you're giving seven-year deals and length of contract to anyone, a problem. You don't want to do it, clearly. But I have talked about this before, something that I have witnessed a lot. It is, it is not as easy as you think to get a guy because you already had a guy. What do I mean by that? When somebody is sitting there and they're going out to free agency – but they already got that relationship with you. It is not easy to take them away from free agency or to shut it down early in free agency. And we've seen both of those kind of cases over the years. And very often what happens is the team thinks that you should take some kind of a friendly deal, especially even though he had a great finish in the postseason. If you're Aaron Nola and you've had ups and downs, if you're Aaron Nola and I don't know if I trust, if you're Aaron Nola and I don't need you to be Zach Wheeler, I already got Zach Wheeler, right? In all those kind of scenarios, you see a lot of times where you see players that get lowballed. I mentioned the John Lester situation with the Red Sox that I covered. And <clears throat> with no disrespect to Nolan, the Phillies, <clears throat> Lester did way more than that for that franchise and community and all of that and got lowballed and gone. And we've seen plenty of that, not just with pitchers, but with other players. But with those pitchers, to get that to, to stick and that guy to stay and that guy not to go ahead and flirt in free agency, you got to do something again to shut that thing down early. And this is going to be a trend in this podcast. And to do that, it's not just about value. It's about value for you. It's what does that player mean to your franchise? Because I'm going to tell you, if you're in the New York Mets, you should offer Yamamoto 
more money and more years than anybody else because you need the damn guy. <clears throat> you absolutely you already got to, to offer up the fact that Seng is already on the team. You need desperately to fix that staff that was already going to be in turmoil in a year or two, even if Scherzer and Verlander would have stuck. The Yankees got to be in that same boat, Yamamoto too. And if you're going to do that, you've got to come out with that big number. And that number may be more, maybe the Craig Council 40 million that nobody else was going to give Counts, even though he's a great manager, that you got to give to go shut that whole deal down. You got to do that. You have to do it. Because if you're going to sit there and be in a position where you're going to say, hey, look, I'm going to make sure I get this guy. It's not about the value in the market. It's not about overpay. It's about how much you need that player. If you got a house that's got five bedrooms and each bedroom got a TV, <clears throat> I could go offer you a TV at half price at Walmart tomorrow or today on a Cyber Monday. What the hell do you give a crap? You already got a bedroom and a TV match in each single one. You got nowhere to put it anyway. It doesn't matter to you. Yeah, you may buy it. You may look at it if the price is right, so to speak, but why? But if you're sitting there and you got a five-bedroom house and you got no televisions and you got kids, you got trouble. You better have a lot of screens. So now, right now, that Walmart deal, I may pay double the price if it's the only TV available. And if it's sitting there half price, I'm going to wait out there for three hours on a Black Friday because I got to go get that damn thing. I don't have five of them. It's all about supply and demand. It's all about need. And it's all about value to you. It, 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 is, the, it is the biggest thing. It, it is about the value to you, not the market. The Angels should have given Garrett Cole nine years based on where that franchise was. And I said that at the time, hello. It's about the value to you. And you got to shut it down with Yamamoto. You've been going to get out in there with a big number, not sitting there playing and, and trying to, you know, you know, piecemeal something that you think will just be enough because just enough isn't going to be enough. Let's get to Juan Soto. Why is this deal hard to make? This deal is hard to make because the Padres have had enough egg on the face, don't you think, over the last number of years. They brought in Juan Soto when he was going to change everything. And I love Juan Soto. Terrific player. But even for all the things he did well this past year, <clears throat> I know because I remember being on some you know, a, a bunch of times you know, talking on, on Padres radio station, people in San Diego, and they're sitting there, oh, well, it's, it's, it's not what we thought it would be. I don't know what you thought it would be, but with what he was working with around him in that lineup, he was, for the most part, doing what he could do. You know, but, but when you come in as a guy, you know, basically 19 years old and dominating in postseasons, and then you have those crazy years with D.C., the expectations are, are higher than high. But you can't, if you're going to trade that guy and move on from him, if you're going to say, hey, look, I don't think we can get the deal done with Scott, <clears throat> with Scott Boris and Juan Soto and keep him long term. If you're going to make that claim and you're going to get out there and you're going to get out in front of it and say, OK, well, we got to cut our losses and we got to get, get the most we can. The problem is the most we can is not going to be enough for anyone. There's no deal that's getting done with Juan Soto with what he's got left on the contract that is going to bring in guys that you're going to sit there and say, okay, well, immediately we're a better team because you can't trade Juan Soto and immediately be a better team. That's why it's a hard trade to make. 
because the teams that are on the other side who are trying to give what they think and maybe fairly equivalent value based on what is left in Juan Soto's career as a San Diego Padre in terms of term of his deal. It's not about that because it's about his perceived value again to the Padres now compared to what you're giving him and saving face in, in that market as well <clears throat> moving forward. So even though teams may be sitting there and jockeying behind the scenes and what the hell do we know? We're not in these conversations, depending upon you know, what you believe. Everybody thinks they know everything, but you don't. You don't. You don't. You can't give enough, seemingly, if you're in a lot of these chats, because it's going to be feeling like the Padres are asking they need to win the deal. The Padres are going to need to feel like they got to sell to that franchise and that public and that city that they win the deal. Well, how the hell are you going to do that? Well, they're going to do that by you losing the deal. And there is the problem. Doesn't mean he can't get traded, but the Yankees, for example, they can't be sitting playing hardball for Juan Soto because they got to understand the Padres could play this thing into the deadline if they want. They don't have to trade him now. And if they have enough leverage to feel like they don't have to trade him now, this is a franchise who remember there was six and a half, I think it was out of the playoffs, didn't get anything for Upton at the time, going back umpteen years ago when A.J. Preller was first there. This team is not going to sit there and just hand them away. And if they don't feel like they're getting enough, they'll just play with them into the season. They got you by the balls now. That'll turn around, ball in the other court, so to speak, as you get closer to the end of July, end of August. We'll see. But I still think there's a chance for sure he gets moved. But it's going to take a team probably giving more for sure than they want to give. And that's still whatever it is may not be enough for the Padre fans to feel like it is enough to get Soto on the other side. It's about what the value is to you. If you want Juan Soto, you better overpay in that trade. That's it. You're giving away more in the future because <clears throat> you got to lock this guy up now and you think you can get a deal done. That's it. Plenty more baseball, obviously, in, in the coming days and weeks and podcasts and, and all sorts of stuff as the hot stove is just getting heated up. So there's there's a ton more there. So clearly, no need to worry. But I want to get into a number of other things today here in episode 226. And I want to hit a couple of things in the NFL. But before I transition completely just to the National Football League and a couple of stories I want to hit on, I got I to gotta tell you, this is for everybody who's a sports fan. We've all got players that we are, you got your own team, right? Like, for example, obviously, I got the Islander logo in the background. My favorite team in any sport since I'm um, like five years old, right? We all got teams where it's like most of your favorite players in that sport, like, for example, hockey for me, most of your favorite players are on that team, Right. So you're a Cardinal fan, for example, going back to the Sunny Gray thing at the outset, right? Probably not him yet, but it's Wayno, it's Yadier Molina, and 17 other guys. And then it's, there are a couple of guys who crept in who were on your fantasy team, or whatever the case was, but for whatever reason, in baseball, they've resonated with you to a point where, even though they weren't Cardinals, they got to the highest of high level. You have their jerseys in your closet and all that kind of stuff. You, you are all in on those players for whatever the reason might be. And for me in the NFL, and I'm a, a diehard Giant fan. I've been a Giant fan forever. And Lawrence Taylor was my dude. Lawrence Taylor was my guy. 
LT was my guy growing up. I love Joe Morris because he's little. <clears throat> I love Phil Sims. I love all those teams, Mark Bavaro. But LT, that was my dude. I mean, best defensive player that has ever lived in the NFL, in my opinion, right? Ever. That was my guy. But outside of Lawrence Taylor and outside of Giants, my favorite non-Giant of all time, Barry Sanders. I watched the Bye Bye Barry documentary on Amazon Prime and if you a couple of nights ago. And if you haven't seen it, I think it just came out uh, uh, less than a week ago. I think it was last Tuesday. If you have not seen it, you should go see it. If you have kids who are young, who and I was trying to explain to my son who Barry Sanders was, Barry Sanders is so great that even if your kids have no idea and they're like, mom, dad, <clears throat> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Who cares about any of that? I got to you know, sit there and I'm playing Fortnite or whatever they're doing, depending upon what their ages are. The great thing about Barry Sanders is his highlights is so amazing that you can catch their eye and keep their attention at least for a few minutes to try and tell them a story about how great he was. Because Barry Sanders is the greatest running back in terms of talent in the history of the National Football League. He would have absolutely slaughtered that, and I loved Waller Payton growing up. He would have slaughtered that mark, all right, clearly. And I don't know what the hell Scott Mitchell's all pissed about, because if you didn't see that, it went viral that he was like basically F you and F this, and <clears throat> he felt like in the documentary, and I, I happened to see these quotes before I watched the doc, and he talked about the fact that, you know, screw you, all everybody who's blaming me for Barry Sanders retiring. I got to be honest with you. They showed Scott Mitchell sucking up the joint a couple of times in the dock, but they barely talked about him at all. And even though there was a lot of talk about how bad the Lions were, there was a lot of talk about how bad the franchise was. There was a lot of talk about how little help Barry Sanders had. There was a lot of talk about having no offensive line. There was a lot more than just having no quarterbacks outside of Eric Kramer, right? <clears throat> and Rodney Pete, excuse me. There was a lot. So I, I have no idea what he got so upset about, but it is absolutely a worthy doc to watch. And it really makes you remember just how sad it was. And it, it's, I mean, it's really, it's, it's ironic and probably not, you know, necessarily coincidental that Calvin Johnson, who, you know, sees this and then kind of follows suit. And one of the greatest wide receivers talent wise we've ever seen walks out the door early as well. But to see the Detroit lions on Thanksgiving day, and I know they didn't perform well, but to watch what's happened with the franchise and former giant tight end Dan Campbell and, you know, having you know, so much talent on the team. And, and it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch and it's great to see the city is into it. Lion fans are all locked in. It reminds you of just, you know, pardon the, the language, how much shit Lions fans have gone through for seemingly ever and ever and ever. So definitely worth watching. Bye bye, Barry. Now let's get into bye bye, Frank. Frank Reich got fired after a 1-10 start. 0-6 on the road. Brutal offense. Uh, Bryce Young, who's supposed to basically come in here and heal and, and grow and teach and, and mold. 29th in QB rating at 32. All the other stats are bad. Offense scores less than 15 points in six games in a row. And all of this stuff is clear. And you know Frank Reich, who I remember vividly where I was, I was in a car ride on some family vacation <clears throat> and we were driving on a long car ride back and listened to on the radio live the entire second half of that game when he was in there for Jim Kelly and they were down 38-3 and went and beat the Houston Oilers and all of that. I remember that vividly. Frank Reich, who you look at all the success that he had with the Eagles in that offense, right? Not as much necessarily with the Colts a year ago, clearly. 
I am not here to tell you I think Frank Reich is a, is a great coach. I'm not. I'm not here to tell you necessarily that he didn't need to be moved after the year. I am here to tell you that this is another one of these scenarios, whether you're an NFL or not, where we got to freaking get down to the point. And the point is that owners are never going to blame themselves. Owners are never going to have, have football teams, baseball teams, basketball teams, like a Jim Dolan that I've dealt with with the Knicks forever. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what, what franchise it is or what sport it is. Owners are are not going to, outside of George Steinbrenner, God bless him, who used to sit there and say the team stinks, but then will at least say, <clears throat> it's my fault and it needs to be better and I'm sorry. Owners are not going to take that kind of accountability. They are always going to blame somebody else. But I wanted to write down and, and let's read some track record here of David Tepper, not to be confused with Robert Tepper, who, God bless my daughter Haley, who said to me two weeks ago, when I was sitting here in the kitchen, <clears throat> she took out the the speaker that I have, and she said, "Can you play No Easy Way Out?" And by which, by the way, I I put that on because I thought it was funny because she's eight and what the hell? I mean, of of all the random songs that she's heard me listen to that she's caught on to that she now says is her second favorite song. Number one and three through ten are all Taylor Swift tunes. But she, I I put on Twitter or X, whatever. And Robert Tepper, the real one, um, liked it. And I was like, okay, well, that's a moment for me because I love this song. What's the point here? Here's the point. David Tepper, not to be confused, don't think they're related. Buys the team six years ago. Three times he's had to fire coaches in the middle of the season over the last five years. Not three coaches in five years. In the middle of the year, Frank Reich made it 11 freaking games. Games. This guy's in the locker room screaming the F-bomb, for those of you who didn't see or hear about that. So clearly he was not happy, but this is what we're dealing with in terms of a, this guy who runs the franchise. At what point is it going to be, I've owned it for six years. The team has been absolutely atrocious the whole time. We've made terrible decisions. Everybody I've hired, I've had to fire. Some of them a couple of times over. And when is it going to be, I'm not doing a real good job at this owning a franchise thing. Sorry. Let's go to Daniel Jones. I, I wanted to at least touch on this because Joe Shane had a press conference this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Where he's asked about Daniel Jones. I yeah, This can't really surprise anybody that he says that when Jones gets back healthy in 2024, he's going to start. For, did you see how much money they gave him? Do you see what their options are? No offense to Tommy DeVito. <clears throat> who somebody asked me today because I knew I was a Giant fan. I mean, I know here in Atlanta, they asked me, they said, <laughs> they're younger, but they said, what do you, they said, what do you think of Danny DeVito at quarterback? And I responded to them, I'd rather have Schwarzenegger if I had a choice. I don't even think they understood that they had the wrong guy's first name. But Tommy DeVito, no disrespect. No disrespect. Best healthy quarterback, I guess, in New York or New Jersey or whatever right now. But Daniel Jones got to play. What is the most important part of this press conference was Joe Shane admitting that when they look at right now staring a fourth overall spot in this draft, that they got to at least look at the advantageous nature of putting a quarterback in that spot who at least can give you some fail safe unless Jones doesn't, in case Jones doesn't work. Forget about just getting back healthy on the field. But getting back and being more like the guy you saw last year, and was it the system? Was it Dayball? Was it Daniel Jones? Let's not sit there on that Viking game forever. And I love what DJ did too a year ago. 
but you got to have another guy. I think they got to get two. <clears throat> I think, you know, thank you, Tommy DeVito. See ya. You got to go out and you got to get some old vet to start the season because clearly Daniel Jones is not going to be ready. And you're not going to, even if you draft somebody, throw him in because A, you can't do that with this offensive line and this, this football team anyway. I'll go nowhere. And B, <clears throat> if he performs well, you're in a worse spot because then you, then what the hell are you going to do? You got to wait it out and set this stage for Daniel Jones to get back in here under center. You have to do that. So now they're in a position where I, I think at least being aware and you know, publicly that, hey, look, we got to look in the draft perhaps. Sorry. And if anything, it'll push Daniel Jones to get back healthy, to get back hopefully quicker but the right way, and to perform well when he gets there. And you deal with it. Not the worst problem to have. Sorry. Let's shift over to the NBA. I've loved basketball my whole life. I have said this many times over the years, but it's my favorite sport to play. It has been my favorite sport to play since I'm very little. Unfortunately, I'm still very little, so I only play it at a now having fun level and certainly not of any importance whatsoever. But I do love to play hoops. And having covered it for years and being entrenched in it was one of the cooler things of my life. And I still am locked into it. But I got to ask this question. Because, and let me backtrack a second. I have, I have often, for years, and not just when I was covering basketball, but with anybody I ever talked to, I think Adam Silver, who it, it always was very, very nice the times that I met him, I, I think he has handled himself beautifully as a commissioner of the NBA. I love that the NBA has continued to always be progressive, not afraid to change. They're not going to do the whole thing where Rob Manfred's going to tell you, <clears throat> we got to go look into for a year how the ball changed. Like they had nothing to do with it and had no idea. Somebody came and stole all the balls and changed them and home runs were starting. That's dumb. The NBA is like, okay, we need more offense. Let's move the three-point line. We'll move it in. We'll move it out. We'll take away three seconds. We'll have three seconds. You can't do this. You can play a zone. You can't play. They'll change anything. They'll do that. And they're forward thinking, and I dig that. They're willing to change, and I'm about that, okay? But I got to be honest with you. I can't imagine that there is anybody, anybody at all who loves this in-season tournament. <clears throat> I can't imagine that there is anybody at all who is jacked up about this in-season tournament. I can't. I don't understand it at all. I can't get into it. Do you, are you into it? Like, this is more of a question for people who watch this and listen to it. And even if you get it at Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and <clears throat> going that way, hit me up on you know, Twitter, X, however you want to do it, right? Or on the YouTube channel in the comments. Like, are you into this thing? Do you understand? Like, is anybody sitting there saying, now, as a Nick fan, they got a huge win against Miami the other night, right? Big comeback win. I watched it. I loved it. I was into it. I was jacked up about it. And I was jacked up about it because that's a good team. That's a great comeback win. I love the hell out of the way Jalen Brunson is playing. And all of that is great. Did I care about what it did for them in the in-season tournament? That doesn't mean jack to me. It does nothing for me. And it's a weird spot for me because I've been thinking about consciously, I've been thinking about the last couple of months what it would be like if I was still working covering the NBA 
and you know how honest you could be or how much you would have to be in favor and in service of this tournament. And I'm all for that sometimes it takes things time to click. I'm all for sometimes it takes you know, uh, you know, maybe a special end run of this thing and or a couple of years or some moment that happens and it just becomes like old hat. Look, everything I lived through and covered in baseball, people, I've been doing this a long time. When we added wild cards, they were like, oh my God, you can't add a wild card. Then we added a wild card game and I covered the first one for TV. No, you can't do that. Not the wild card game. And then everybody was jacked up about it because we were starting with game seven. I remember doing the pregame for the first one and that was the first thing I said. We get to start the postseason with game seven, everything on the line, all the marbles. Here we go. Lay it out there. Let's go. And people now are into it. And then we saw, remember the situation in Pittsburgh going back way back when with Johnny Cueto. And we had our moments in certain things that with the blackout there at PNC and other things that happened. And it's like, okay, that it sold itself. And then you're in. Is anybody in on this in-season tournament? Because I don't freaking get it. It does nothing for me. Zero. This idea it's giving people more. Like, who is it for? Is it for the players to be more excited? Like, these guys don't make enough money. And I love athletes, and I'm usually pro player, but let's be fair. They don't make enough money that we got to, like, we're worried about them being bored. We already give them all these days off because they got all these, these general pains and aches they can't play. In cities, people buy tickets and then can't see them. Now, we got to worry that maybe they're not invested in it. They're not caring enough. I mean, I, I don't understand it. Like, who the hell is it for? It does nothing for me. I think it's it, the courts don't do anything for me. A couple of them look cool. The rest of them, I think, look silly. I feel old. I feel like get off my lawn. I feel I'm never in this category. I'm never on this side of things. But with this in-season tournament, I just can't get it. Like, I don't get it. <clears throat> I don't get it. Just doesn't do it for me. And I'm curious where you sit on that. Let me know. I want to skip over to the NHL quickly for one thing, then hit something all sports overall and a question for you, and then we'll close it out with a quote. And I got a lot coming this week. Got some guests, including uh, we'll have here in the next few days. Uh, you know, once it's uh, official and everything is all settled down, I'm hoping to have uh, John Gibbons, longtime uh, friend of this show, who's been on it three or four times and now a bench coach of the Mets. We'll have him on, and we'll get into some free agency, and we'll do all a bunch of Different stuff. Uh, if if you have not seen this play, even if you don't like hockey, you do not have to turn this off because I want I I'm curious your thoughts on this. I I posted the I'll eventually learn how to share this in these videos like live so I could show it to you, and I know there's a way to do it, but then I you know I get all verklempt. But I put it on my Twitter on X right. If you go scroll back, I think I put it on yesterday. This is not an Islander Ranger thing because this is an anti-Ranger situation and I'm an Islander fan. This has nothing to do with that. I'm just asking you blindly, okay? Jacob Truba, who's terrific defenseman, leader of the Rangers, was fined $5,000 for a high stick against Trent Federick after <clears throat> what was, and by the way, involved in, I think, the best game of the regular season in the NHL this year. I watched a lot of it and... I've got nothing necessarily for either of those teams. And even though Ray Bork, speaking of great players that we love, non-team was my favorite non-Islander of all time. And I, I had a Bork jersey for a long time that I don't no longer have. So, and I went to school in Boston. So, okay, a little bit of Bruins ties. But Brad Marchand, ever since he's played for them, forget that. 
But this was a great game. Probably the best game of the regular season so far. But Jacob Truba two-handed Trent Federick. The goal goes off the moorings. And he takes literally no joke. Like a swing, like he was trying to, like, like you know, take a take a hit on a tee. And I don't mean a golf tee. I mean a baseball tee. And his head was on the tee. I can't believe he didn't get at least five games, if not more than that, for this. Now, it's the maximum allowable for fines. It's $5,000. This is the craziest thing. It's clearly not accidental. But we see all. All these accidents are happening with skates in hockey, and everybody's very, very concerned about this. They should be, right? Because that is a very, very scary thought. I mean, Everly, a lot of guys are getting cut, and we're seeing this a lot now. And you got to be super, super careful because that's the scariest thing, right? But the stick and controlling your stick, this is something that these hockey players learn as kids, Right? Now, there are times you're going to get high sticking calls. There are going to be times where you lose your stick, where you're trying to go in between guys or up the boards after a puck. This situation, please, I don't care if you like hockey or not, go watch this play, seek out this play, and let me know, at Casey Stern, <clears throat> Twitter X, jump in the YouTube comments, and let me know if you don't think it's the craziest thing that this dude only got $5,000 fine. It is ludicrous. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Two more things. One. I had one more question. So as sports fans, we all have different things that we probably do. Idiosyncrasies and, and little, you know, ways that we're superstitious about our own teams. We probably have all of that, right? Where you, you know, some of your friends know, <clears throat> some they're involved in. You go out to the games, you watch where what bar you're going to go to and what you eat and what kind of wings you get and how your football situation is and like you know i'm not saying you got to way over to silver linings playbook and de niro because you got specific ways in which you watch or do sports right how many of you <clears throat> go back and watch old games of your favorite teams like how many of you when you sit there and you got a moment you're bored or you're on a train ride or a plane or you got a couple hours without the kids or you're in a carpool line or whatever it is and you get that extra time where you're like soaking up some podcasts or or whatever it may be, right? Maybe it's this one. Thank you. How many of you going back watching old games? I I implore any of you to do it. I do it often. And I'm thinking, am I, like, I know this makes me nerdy and probably, like, beyond. But I went the other day and was watching, like, old Islander games. Like, for, just to, like... <clears throat> remind myself who was on the teams and watch these old games. Some of these are like just random games on YouTube. You could find games of literally every team. Like you put in like 2009 December and you're finding some, you know, cowboy game or whatever, like whatever team you root for. Clearly I wouldn't watch that, but whatever team you root for, right? Unless it was Victor Cruz going down the sideline. Cause I was at that game, 77 yards or whatever the hell that is and take it Cowboys and eat it. Cowboy fans are the worst. But I'm curious, do you go back and watch old games? I want to know. At Casey Stir, jump on Twitter X, let me know, and hit me up. I always close it with a quote. Uh, I want to stick to uh, baseball this time and something sports-related. Uh, one of my favorites from uh, Babe Ruth, every strike brings me closer to a home run. We <clears throat> are determined people as humans until we have reasons to not be determined. I know, trust me. And living through it uh, many times in my life, but more specifically over the last couple of years, 
how hard that determination can be when you're sitting there, whatever it is, you could be a, a kid trying to you know, get into college. You could be somebody trying to start a career. You could be uh, somebody trying to lose weight, get on a diet, whatever it is. I'm sure for everybody that's out there, it's different. But to me, more than just baseball, it like brings me closer to a home run. Every bad day, as long as you push through, closer to a good one. Every time you get rejected, whether it's a person or a job or, you know, in whatever, you know, facet auditions, if you're sitting there in entertainment or whatever it may be, and things aren't going your way, as long as you keep pushing, you are closer than you were before that no, closer than before that bad day, closer than before that negativity to getting there. So always keep pushing. Remember that thing that's on my Twitter and, and X bio? One of my favorite five, probably six quotes of all time in Churchill. If you're going through hell, keep going. We'll keep going right here at Unfiltered. You can catch Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. Great to have you. Let me know in the comments your thoughts on all the things we got into today. And we'll see you next time on Unfiltered, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.